Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. The Ministry of Helps. You know, and we've, we've spent so much time talking about really what the Ministry of Helps is all about. To see the big picture. You know, that we're called into partnership with the Lord Jesus himself. Because Jesus has an assignment from the Father. And he has passed that assignment on down to pastors. And the pastors have, have, have in turn given it to you into the ministry of helps. You know, these days you see so many churches and they have really catchy slogans. But behind every slogan should be a vision that God has given to that church. And we know what it is around here. Nothing snappy, you know, nothing, you know, no one-liner to it. You have to go to Acts 26 and find out what our vision is. But that vision runs through every aspect of this church. That is what we intend for every department to be promoting and expanding on is what the vision is that God has given this church. And not all churches are the same as far as what God's entrusted to them. That's why you'll find certain churches that are uh, interested in this particular aspect, you know, and then, then this church is, is, is interested in is this is what God has given them to be focused on. And so, you know, churches will differ in the, in the assignments that God has given them. And so you need to understand that, especially when you move from one church to another, understand that the vision of the church that you left, that you were a part of at one time, it's not maybe the, the assignment that has been given to the church you're currently in. And so you have to just get to a place where you're ready just to serve and to promote the vision of whatever church God has placed you in. And that is key there. God has placed you in a church. Every believer is supposed to be part of a local church. Many people think that they can say, I've had people tell me to my face when they found out we were pastors, say, oh, you know, I, I believe, I don't believe I have to go to church. I don't really have to belong to a local church. I can serve God just fine without being, being a part of a local church, all that organized stuff. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible does not give anybody permission to do something on their own. He tells you you're supposed to be part of a local church. And when you become part of a local church, you become part of the vision of that local church. And we should, we should look at it as a partnership. We should look at it as an honor and a privilege. You know, as so we go to different churches a lot of times, and, and I told you last week, I'm, I'm always mindful to tell the people who are there because, you know, when you stay after church, there's a lot of people who stay and, and are doing things and are who are serving the ministers who are there you know, whether we're the speakers or whether we were just attending something, you know, I'm always cautious to say to them, thank you. And do you know so many times over the last few years, I've heard this from people who are in the helps. In fact, I'm thinking of this one gentleman who takes off work during a set of meetings. And um, he takes his vacation time during a set of meetings. And, and we'll be, you know, we'll be at the church until 11 o'clock at night and sometimes later. And you come out there, he's standing right there beside the car door ready to help you, you know, get in, make sure you get off okay. And I'll say, 
brother, it's, it's so late. You didn't have to wait. He goes, no, ma'am, it's my, it's my honor. It's I'm honored. I'm honored to do this. I don't care how late you stay. I'm honored to do this. Makes me ashamed of myself because I've, there have been many times in my life I haven't felt honored. I felt put out. And, and you know, but this, this gentleman and so many more like him that I've encountered over the last few years, you know, just make it very clear that I am here to serve. I am honored to do it. You don't have to be concerned about how much of my time it's taking or what I'm putting into it because I am honored to serve. You know, isn't that really what Brother Keith was talking about on, on Sunday night? I love the two boxes. You know, I'm put out when I'm in that plain box, you know, with the labels on it. And I'm honored when I'm the gift-wrapped box. And that's how we should look at the ministry of helps. We're gift-wrapped. You know, in Ephesians, it says that, G that God gave gifts to men, apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. People put commas in there, you know. That's the way the King James is translated. It put commas in there like it's point one, point two, point three. No, he gave those gifts for the perfecting of the saints to do the work of the ministry. I mean, I was raised in a pastor's home until I was a teenager, and it seemed like the churches that, that my father pastored, you know, they were only interested in seeing how much the pastor and his family could do. And ever so often, you'd get some help from somebody else. You know, and I, I remember used to thinking, why am I having to do this? Why am I having to do this? Why am I having to do this? Why isn't somebody else doing this? Well, it's because nobody else was doing it. So guess who did? And people just came to expect that that's who does the work. I mean, after all, you're here to do the work of the ministry because we pay you. Well, they didn't pay my dad because he never did get paid as a pastor. He always worked a secular job. But they figured that was the job of the pastor to do the work of the ministry. Uh, he's here to equip you to do the work of the ministry. You know, when you think about all the things that pastors do, they're here to feed you. They're here to guide you. They're here to set the pace of the local church. They're here to get the vision, to keep the vision, to promote the vision, pass that vision on to you, and you do the work of the ministry. Now, people don't like that word, that word work sometimes, but, you know, I've always learned that, that ministry is spelled W-O-R-K. No matter who you are, whether you're in five-fold ministry or whether you're, you're just, you know, just, just a, a congregation member. We're all called to do the work of the ministry because things have to be done. Somebody has to turn on the light. Somebody has to, has to mow the grass. Somebody has to do all kinds of, there's all kinds of things that go on behind the scenes that we just never even think too much about. You know, the, the slides don't get up there just by accident. Now, you know, I remember the day when we didn't have slides. You know, that's when you found out how much everybody really knew the song. You, did you, you get, you get you, that's your crutch. You don't learn sometimes the words of the song. You know that when you they turn out the lights on the slides, you know, and then you find out, do I really know that song? No, I don't. I don't really know how that goes. I know how, but what's the words? I don't know. Because somebody's back there making sure the words go up there. Somebody's back there doing the sound so you can hear something. You know, there's somebody who's paying attention in the lobby so that we're all safe. There's people, you know, working with our children. You know, and, and every place is a place of honor. Every place is a place of honor. 
See, that's how we should look at it. We shouldn't look at it as just the places that are seen are honorable. But every place, every place is, is honorable. I mean, I know, some, I know somebody who comes down here before church ever starts and blows off sidewalks. Nobody knows that about that. I know somebody who recently came to Pastor Greg and said, oh, we, we, the mulch in, in this particular area, I mean, not, I mean, it really needs some. Can, can we put some mulch out? And so they worked it out, and new mulch got out. Somebody did that because they saw a need. You know, and, and we each come in with gifts. Each one, each one of us have talents and abilities and giftings, and we're supposed to use them. You know, it's, it's amazing to me sometimes how many, how many years go by or how many months go by before I find out somebody's got a talent in a particular area. I recall somebody years ago who came and were here for a long time before I found out they were a drummer. I'm going, are you kidding me? Where have you been hiding? You know, we need you. You know, there may be some of you who, know, who can sing really well. The choir can always use some more people in it because... Some Sundays you'll see the choir. Don't, yes, ma'am. Some Sundays you'll see the choir is very full. And some Sundays you'll see the choir is kind of skimpy. It's not because those people are out of town. More often it's because those people are serving somewhere else. So we can use some more people in the choir. We can use some more musicians. We can use some more people in the audio, some more people in the video, some more people on the ushers, some more people in the greeters. There's so many places that we could use. We could use somebody in graphics and, and, and things that, you know, that I know nothing about. You know, but if you've got a talent for that, great. You know, when it comes to fellowships, there's always things going on, things that have to be done. There's decorating. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of things everywhere. If you've got any talent and any ability anywhere, you ought to be volunteering. Even if you can only make a chair row straight, we can use you. You ever seen these chairs that get bumped out of place? Wonderful. You know, and, and just really what I want to get across to you in these three, these three Wednesday nights is just having a heart to serve. I want to serve because it's in me. You know, I told you last week that I heard a phrase that somebody had recently said that said, saved people serve people. When you're, when you're serving, you know, you are blessing other people. You're investing in your church, you're investing in the vision, but you're investing in individuals. You're investing in people. And, you know, um, I think Bonnie and, and uh, Sue over there have been my two go-tos recently for sign-ups, you know, for fellowships and different things. And both of them have said, it's a great way for me to learn who people are, to connect to people. And, you know, when you start serving in the church, you connect better to people you don't you're not kind of a island unto yourself but when you when you have to start serving you you have to start working with people and that way there's a connection you think well that's not a big deal yes it is you know it's it's much easier for somebody to pay attention to the spirit on the inside of them saying you need to pray for so and so when you have a connection it's much easier for, for that person, to, for someone to say, ah, I, haven't seen, I haven't seen sister so-and-so in two weeks. I wonder if she's okay. Maybe I should give her a call. If you don't serve, you don't connect like that. And see, there's, there's a lot that goes into serving. But besides just serving, it's a blessing to you because you're sowing. 
Let me tell you, any place you sow, there will be a reaping. There will be a reaping. Many, are, many people, you know, know that there's blessings that just come into their lives because they're faithful to serve in their local church, that God turns around and blesses them in turn. You know, outside the church, you know, maybe within their jobs or with vehicles or just whatever. I mean, listen, Ed Dufresne said, that all, said this, made this statement many, many times over the years. I've heard him say it, it was a classic phrase. And he said, he puts God first, and then God will put him first. Whatever God's house needs, God's house gets. And he said, then God blesses my house. That's the truth. That is the truth. When you understand that that's a part of just a sowing and reaping process, you'll understand that there's blessings in it. There's personal blessings. There's spiritual blessings. There's financial blessings. There's all kinds of blessings that come with serving. Sometimes we don't always recognize it and put two and two together, but it's true. It, it does happen. The people who serve those are the people that just stay blessed all the time. And, and, and again, what Brother Keith show, shared on, on Sunday night about the two, the two boxes, the gift wrap, you know, it makes so much sense. You know, when you, when you look at it that way, we got flesh, we got spirit. <laughs> you know, that plain old label box, you know, it's just that's the flesh man. And here's, here's the spirit. The spiritual man looks so much nicer, so much nicer. Because we can, we can kind of look kind of ratty over here, kind of ugly, kind of a mess. And so, you know, we don't want to be there. Last week I left you, I think, with, with 1 Samuel 10, 26. It was talking about, about David, and it said, There went with him a band of men whose hearts God had touched. And see, in any local church, that ought to be each and every person's motto. I'm going with you, Pastor. Because God's touched my heart. God has touched my heart. It doesn't help us for somebody to not have a heart in it. A job's getting done, but it's not getting done with the right heart. You know, it needs to be done with the right attitude, with the right frame of mind for it to be as effective as it's supposed to be. I, I saw that um, in this verse in Psalm, it says, Psalm 92, 13, it says, Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. What, is, what does planted mean? It means set in the ground for growth. You know, when you're serving in the local church, you're investing in the church, but you, you're, you're planting yourself. You're plant, I mean, planting yourself. You know, we, we could spread out some of the jobs that are currently being done, you know, if everybody was involved instead of having you know some people who serve in three four places uh, and uh, you know we're, we're mindful of not to burn somebody out not to require so much ask so much of them that they get tired of serving um i think we, we try to do a good job now there's once in a while i'll find out somebody's been in a particular area for so many times out of the month and going hey what's going on there Oh, well, you know, just, it's just this month, you know, it's a, it's a month where there's a lot of people who are out, and then so we're having to, you know, everybody's kind of doing a little extra to fill in, going, well, this can't be a regular thing. No, you, you, can't, you can't do that to them. I don't care if they did volunteer to do that. You can't, you can't let them be out of church that much. You know, they, they, need, they need to be built up. You've got to do something about that. So, you know, we're, we're cautious on that kind of thing to make sure that you don't get burned out, but don't use that as an excuse not to do what you need to do. Oh, no, I can't. I'm, I'm already, I've, already, I've already done too much. Uh, really? 
there's not that many people who can say that, but there are a few maybe. Uh, what I'm, I'm finding, I, I've got so many different little pieces of things here, you know, that I really want to, to kind of cover tonight. And, um, and really, only God can convince you to serve. It has, to, it has to come from your heart. Do we talk about serving, you know, something that we need you to do, that we, you should do? Yes, we do. And it, it really, sometimes I, I, I trust it doesn't come across as pressure to do something, but that it comes across as an encouragement to get involved. Because it, like I said before, it helps you as much as it helps the department or whatever it is that you're doing. It's a blessing in your life as well as a blessing to the church. Um, in Acts 6, go with me over there. Acts 6. Hallelujah. 1 through 4, it says, In those days when the number of disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the twelve called, unto the, called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It's not reason, it's not fitting, it's not right that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. That, that word leave could also be translated as neglect. Because, you know, when the pastoral staff has to do the actual physical work, there's something being neglected. It says, Wherefore, brethren, look, at your mouth, at, look you amount, among, out from among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Isn't it funny that people sometimes have the idea that pastors, all they do is just, they only, they only really work two days a week, you know, Sundays and Wednesdays. Ha, ha, ha. Okay. Verse 5. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. That is the, that is the state that you should be in when you're serving. Full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost. Listen, you can be just walking up the sidewalk when suddenly God says to you, Turn around. There's somebody that's about to come into the parking lot that needs help. And you respond to that. It's amazing. I mean, I, I was listening to somebody just the other day was talking about helps. And, and he made this statement, I've heard it before, that said people, when they come visit a church, they generally make up their minds within the first six to seven minutes of being on the property of whether they want to come back or not. That means that your interaction with people when they come through that door is vital. See, in serving, that means when you see somebody walk in the door that you don't know, just go say hello. You don't have to have an extended conversation. You don't have to say, well, how you doing? Where are you from? Now, I do that because I'm nosy. <laughs> I'm like, how you doing? Where are you from? Are you from this area? Have you ever been here before? Are you here with somebody? Do you know anybody? You know, da, 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 da. We go back and forth. But just to say, Good morning. Don't ignore people. We, we've heard many times it said, you, oh, these are, this church is really friendly. Going, yeah, we're, we, we are mindful of that, to be friendly to, some, to people who walk in. If you don't know, it's amazing how many people don't know somebody who's already been here for six months. If you, if you look at somebody and go, I don't know if I know you. We'll go up and say, have we met before? Just be honest. 
have I had a chance to meet you before or is this your first time here? And then, you know, I love honesty. And anybody who's, who's here, who's maybe been here a few weeks, appreciates the honesty because they're in the same boat. If they're introduced to 10 different people that morning, they won't remember your name. They're going to have to ask again. So you set the pattern for them. And when you go up to them, you say, have we met? Oh, my goodness, I forgot. You know, I've, I've done that plenty of times. Oh, and then there's times when I actually remember somebody that has been here, you know, a long time ago. The males, you know, started coming back to church here, you know, when they, I don't know how long they've been back. But, but they had been here and visited and, and had actually come quite regularly for a little span of time. And then they were gone. We didn't see them, I don't know, two, three years. First time they walked in the door, hey, Chuck, how are you? You remember me? Yeah, I remember. Of course, how can I remember, you know, forget somebody that tall, especially when you're this short. <laughs> but, I mean, just know that you remember their name. You know, many times I've chased people out the front door because they're in a hurry to get out on Sunday mornings ahead of the crowd and gone out there and just stopped. That means something. People go into the bathrooms, you know, and they see a nice bathroom in there. You know, it's amazing how much of an impact that'll make. So, you know, this is what you do. This is one of the places you can serve. You go in the ladies' room, you go in the men's room, and there's water all over the counter. Clean it up. Just clean up. Well, it's not my job. Yeah, it is. If you see it, it's your job. It's your job. I was ministering this to the Bible school students out in California a couple of years ago. And um, one of the, la- the lady who actually kind of heads up their, their helps ministry, she heard that. And so in their staff bathroom, she let the paper towels run out. And she thought, okay, everybody knows where the extra paper towels are kept. I'm going to see how long it takes for somebody just to go get some paper towels. And she said she was shocked by how long it took for somebody to go get some, new, some more paper towels. You know, if you see something that needs replenishing, just say, hey, this is how. Can, where can I find something? Don't just say, hey, somebody needs to go take care of this. That's not serving with a good heart. You know, there was an old Chico and the Man show years ago, and his, his big phrase was, not my job, not my job, not my job. See, a lot of people come to church and go, not my job. I'm not on the schedule day, not my job. Yeah, it is your job. If you see something that needs doing, it's your job. If it's within your power to do it, it's your job. I got this quote from somebody, and I don't even know who it was, but I I thought it was great, so I wrote it down. It says, if you're not actively involved in the local church, you should not be actively involved in giving your opinion about the local church. Let's say that one again, Pastor Angela. If you're not actively involved in the local church, you should not be actively involved in giving your opinion about the local church. Mm. Yeah. Do you know how many times I've had somebody come complain to me about something the way it was done? Or the way it wasn't done? And I thought, well, honey, you ain't got no business complaining because you you don't ever lift your finger to do a thing. You got, you got no place for an opinion. You got none. You got no place for an opinion if you're not faithful in doing what you already know to do. Oh, I'm Pastor Angela. She's getting on our toes. Like, good. Stick, if, if they're not sticking out there right now so I can't get on, I will come find them. 
pull them out from under the chair. I need to step on your toes in a little bit. If you want to complain about how something got done, fine. You volunteer the next time it needs doing and you take care of it. If you're not faithfully serving somewhere, nobody wants your opinion. If you're not a team player where you are serving, nobody wants your opinion. Do you hear me? If you're not a, I'm going to say it again, a team player. We got, no, we got no stars here, folks. You know, we got, we got nobody who's just, you know, all, all that. So if you're not doing your job already somewhere, nobody wants your opinion. Your opinion's only valid when you have become a faithful contributor to whatever department it is you're serving in. And I'm way off my notes. <laughs> Seriously. If you're going to work in the primary department, you can't gripe and complain at Natalie about what she's doing in there if you're not a good team player in there, who is a good support in there, who's always got her back, who's always willing to do. You've got no, no business saying anything. You haven't earned that place. And that's called proving yourself faithful. When you prove yourself faithful, then somebody, then somebody wants your opinion then your opinion is valued. Then your opinion will be looked at, carefully considered, and maybe instituted. But until that day comes, it is not your place. But if you're not actively involved, you've got no place complaining about anything. That's, that's what I call being a welfare Christian, letting everybody else do the work and you enjoy the benefits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm off my notes for big time. Okay. <laughs> But it's true. Hmm, let me just kind of scan over these notes. Mm-hmm. Really give me a faithful person anytime over a talented person. I, I used to have this running running battle with um, Pastor Lance, if you remember him, Fricky, you know, years ago, and he, and his opinion was. You put somebody in a place and give them an opportunity to prove themselves faithful. And I went, no, you're going to make them prove themselves faithful in some, some little something before you give them something to do. So we went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Maybe there's a little give and take on both sides of that. But anyway, back to my scripture here in Acts. It says in Acts 6, we were, we were in verse 5, uh, Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor and Timon and Parmenas and Nicholas as a proselyte of Antioch, whom they set for the apostles, and when they prayed, they laid their hands on. And here's the benefit of everybody serving, letting you, the people in the church, do the work of the ministry so that the pastors can do what they're supposed to do, which is apply themselves to the word in prayer and 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 providing meat for this storehouse, this is what happens. That the word of God increased and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. See, the church can't multiply. The word's not going to increase and the, and the church isn't going to multiply without your help. It's not just up to, to the pastoral staff. 
if a church is founded on the personality or the teaching gift or the preaching gift of just the pastor, when he's not there, then it all falls apart. Just all falls apart. But no, it should, the church should be such a dynamic and living thing that, that it, can, it can flow, it can move and ebb and flow and, and, and work around things and, and just and be such, such a great living organism that it doesn't matter, you know, when one part, you know, maybe it can't be there for some reason. You know, that's why I appreciate how faithful you are like if we're out of town. I appreciate how faithful you were when Pastor and Pastor Greg were, you know, gone, you know, back, you know, when they were on their trip to Africa. It makes, it, it makes a real difference. You're supposed to be coming for the word, not for a person. You're not supposed to be coming for a personality. You're not supposed to be coming to have your ears tickled. You're supposed to be coming to hear whatever the Holy Ghost thinks you need to hear. Because he's always right. When he puts it out there, it's because you need to hear it. No matter what it is. Hallelujah. Um, all right. So, Ephesians 4. Let's go over there. Verse 1. It just says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord beseech you, I earnestly beg you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. That, voca that word vocation, I've got in my Bible here a little note that says a divine invitation for service. You've all been called to, you've got a divine invitation to serve. We walk in that place worthy of that. That means we're up to the task, that we're willing to do it. We, have a, we are willing and obedient to walk in that place where God has called us. Um, hallelujah. Ephesians 4, 16 talks about every joint supplies. Listen, the New Living Translation of that in, in verse 16 says, As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's what happens when we're all doing our part. And, you know, just understand that. You know, if you go to Romans 6, 12, 6, it talks about everyone having gifts differing. You bring something that no one else can. There is, there is something about you and who you are, your personality, the way you do things, the way you um, touch people's lives, the way you connect with people that only you can do. You know, sometimes we think, oh, if I don't do it, somebody else will. But that's not what God has in mind. Somebody else will have to step in and do it if you don't do it. But God had something particular in mind when he wanted you to do it. There's something about you that means the job can only get done the way you can do it. The influence you have, the connection you have, the ability you have. Don't take lightly any small talent that you think you have, that you think, ah, oh, it's no big deal. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Think of the, of the little boy that came to the meeting 
And all he brought was, what did he bring? Five loaves and two fish. What a small thing. Probably the fish were just little small fish. The loaves could have been just, you know, muffin size. I don't know. But think, he came to a meeting with a little. And look what his little turned into. It fed a multitude. 5,000 at least. And with multiple left over. Don't devalue what you think you have to offer. It's not little. God can take what you think is little and he can multiply it. It could become such a blessing to somebody. You may think, you know, if God lays it on your heart to, to get up and, and do something. Listen, we're a church that, that we want you to get involved in the gifts of the Spirit. So if, God, if, if you, God's prompting you and, and you get a go-ahead from, from the pastoral staff to give something, give it. If you miss it or mess up or it doesn't sound great, so what? We're all just learning. But it gives you a reason to do it again. Not to sit down and go, I'll never do that again. Oh, my goodness, no. No, no that means there's something working on the inside of you. It might be something that's, that's three words long that can impact somebody. So what if it doesn't sound all this flowy and eloquent kind of thing you know, like you'd hear from pastor? It's okay. If God says you need to say that, then you need to say it. You need to give it. If God tells you to go in a particular department and just do one or two little things, you go. You don't know how much that little something can make a difference. Yet. Whatever ability you've got, God gave it to you, put it to use. Put it to use. I'm always looking for somebody who's got, who can, who can do, you know, decorating kind of things, come up with some ideas. It's like this Christmas thing. What's this year's thing? I don't know. You know, somebody help me. I need help. I don't want to do this all the time. I don't want to come up. I want somebody to come say, hey, Pastor Angel, have you thought about this? Now, if, you know, if it doesn't, if it, I don't you know, think it'll work, then, you know, just don't be, don't be discouraged. Come back to me with something else. We're looking at decorating for all kinds of times of the year, doing different things. You don't know how much, how much that's valued and appreciated by me. And if it's valued and appreciated by me, how much more is it valued and appreciated by the Father? I mean, anything and everything that you're good at, I want to know about it. So we can, we can find a place to use that kind of thing here. Um, let's see. Just practically speaking, when you're serving, and it, we go back to the two boxes, I have to tell you that, but attitude is everything. Attitude is everything. I'm not going to tell you anything I haven't have had to walk out. But just because you get up on the wrong side of the bed on Sunday morning when you're, when you're assigned to a particular position doesn't mean it's okay to come in here with that attitude. That means you have the time from the, when you got up to the time you walk in the door here to get your attitude straightened out. Back at the old church, you know, we had those stairs on the back side. And we'd come up to the office and we'd come up those back stairs. And many's the time I had an attitude. And I looked at those stairs and I went, okay, my attitude has got to be different by the time I get to the top of that stairwell. You can't do that. You can't come in with an attitude. If you come in, just find somebody to fill your spot. 
because you're not helping. In fact, if a visitor comes in and you've got that kind of attitude, what kind of an impression is it going to leave with them? Remember, the first six or seven minutes can make a real difference in whether somebody comes back. They want to be greeted by somebody at the door with an attitude of like, I'd rather be anywhere but here, and I don't want to see your face, and I don't want to talk to you, and I'm just here. It's happened. Mm-hmm. It's happened. So attitude is, is, is a great deal of it. Um, talked early, earlier a while ago about a, a team mentality. If you're serving in a department, if you're not the department head, then you're serving that department head. And if you don't like them for some reason, you need to fix that. If you're having an, an, a problem with them, you need to fix that. Don't work for somebody that you're not getting along with. Well, they did this and they did that. Well, you have to change your attitude. It's not about them. It's about you. If you change your attitude, maybe it'll change their attitude. Maybe they got an attitude because you have an attitude. <laughs> Attitudes are contagious for good or for bad. <laughs> Every married couple understands that. <laughs> When one person gets an attitude, oh my, you know, then we suddenly we both have attitudes, you know, and then there's tension and then there's mm, uh, fireworks. You know, so, so if you've got a problem that day, resolve it before you get here. If you have to stop and beat the kids on the side of the road before you get here, <laughs> then pray on the rest of the way to church, that's okay. You do what you got to do. If we have to go outside and go, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. Help me, Jesus. You know, sometimes you have to change an attitude by faith. <laughs> thank you, Lord, that you're helping me. I thank you, Lord, you're helping me. Because I've, I've had my days when I got to church, and it's like, if one more person comes up to me with an, with an issue or a complaint, I am going to have a meltdown here. And you think, oh, Pastor, nobody, Pastor Angel, nobody ever do that. <laughs> yes, they do. They, they do sometimes. Uh, not, not, none of you. It's people who just come, you know, other times. Yeah, you know. But anyway, um, just, be, just keep your attitude straight. Keep your team ma- mentality where it ought to be. Do things with excellence. Good enough isn't. You know, when we first came to this, this town, it's a small town, and of course it's bigger now than it was 39 years ago when we first got here. But one of the things, you know, that you're always having to fight in, with people and especially in small town settings is good enough. And, you know, we should always be striving to do whatever we do with excellence. You know, in, in the life of any church, you know, there, as a church is growing, there's, there's probably a max of what you're able to do at the level you're at. But the longer a church is there and the more it prospers, the more excellent it becomes. And we should never be satisfied with just okay. I'm not satisfied with okay. Brother Keith could have come here on, this, on Sunday night and gone away with a $1,000 offering and people would say, oh, well, you know, that was it's good enough. No, it wasn't. That's not what God wanted him to have. And so he went with, with much more than that. But, you know, we shouldn't be satisfied with it. Well, it's just, oh, that, that's enough. That's good enough. No, it's not. 
You know, you want to present your best. When the queen of Sheba came to Solomon, she had heard about the excellence of his courts. And she came to see what it was all about for herself. And when she got there, she was amazed at the splendor and the excellence of the court and of the temple and everything that he did. Listen, I don't mean it to come across as saying we need to be uppity or snobby or put, make ourselves as though we've got airs that we're better than anybody else, but we just want to present everything we do with excellence. That's why when I go in the bathroom, if there's something, piece of paper on the floor, I'm picking it up. If there's water on the counter, I'm cleaning the counter off. If I go in the lobby and nobody's picked up that piece of trash that got, that got walked in, I'm going to pick it up. If there's a bug has come in, it's gotten smashed on the floor, if somebody hasn't cleaned up, I'll clean it up. Because I want to see some excellence. You know, it's amazing how many times I start to do something. Oh, no, 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 let me do that. I'm thinking, well, you could have done it already. That piece of paper has been down there for five minutes. Don't wait until the pastor comes along and starts to do it for you. Say, oh, oh, I'll take care of that. If you see it, take care of it. Excellence in everywhere we go and everything that we do. And, and, and you know, it's, uh, it's just the practical side of things. If there are guidelines to anything that you're, that you're, you're doing, any place that you're serving, don't try to just skate by and not follow the guidelines. You know, I know that the church world has gotten very casual. And I know we've kind of lowered some, some things, you know, down here, just brought them down a little bit. But that doesn't mean that we should have the attitude, a casual attitude about the way we serve. And it doesn't mean that you should take a casual attitude toward your serving. If there's a particular guideline in place for what you do, follow the guideline. Many years ago, we were in the old church. We had a guy who was a fantastic guitar player. And, you know, we were much more formal. I mean, everybody was in suits, you know, and, or, or, or at least a sports coat and dress pants. And he got to the place where he was not wearing dress pants. We had to go to him and tell him, okay, you got you to gotta get the dress pants back out. Then he wanted to come in with some kind of shoes. And I was like, no, you've got to wear dress shoes. And then he decided he wasn't going to wear socks. I mean, it's ridiculous when you have to go back and say to somebody, listen, you've got to wear socks if you're going to be on the platform. And isn't that crazy? It's just, it's, just like, it's just like a little kid just trying to see what he can get by with. Don't let you be, your name be lumped in that kind of an environment. Don't see, if this is how you're expected to do something, do it that way. If this is the way you're expected to dress for a particular area, like on the platform, then do it. I've had people say many times, Pastor Angel, why can't we wear pants on the platform? Because I can't regulate pants as well as I can a skirt. And I, you see how tall that platform is? There's something to be said for having a skirt on as opposed to pants. Because right now, I'm appalled at the way some people dress on a platform. I'm thinking, how can the men in the congregation keep their mind on worshiping God when we've got women on the platform dressed like that? And my intention is for anybody on the platform to be modestly dressed so that they don't bring attention to anything but God. And so there are guidelines. 
there's reasons for guidelines. Just like if you're raising kids and your children don't always understand why you, at, you require certain things of them, they don't see the big picture. Many times people in the church don't see the big picture. Do I need to come explain myself every time somebody says, well, why can't we wear pants on the platform? No, we can't wear pants on the platform. And, and when I go different places and I see things, you know, I just go, and that's why we don't wear pants on the platform. Especially when you have a platform as high as ours is. That's why the skirts have, you know, can't be, you got to be cautious about how short they are. That kind of thing. You want it to look good, and but you don't want people to be distracted by anybody on the platform. You don't want things that are too tight. Oh, I'm getting way off. My goodness. Sorry. Okay. You don't need to become possessive of any job that you do. You know, just like the president's cabinet ambassadors Everybody got served at the pleasure of the president. You serve at the pleasure of the pastor. And if he feels like a change needs to be made, it's not my ministry. Don't get possessive about it. If there's a change needs to be made, maybe, maybe you should have made a change already. I've been there many times that pastor said, I need you to start doing so-and-so. And he's like, I don't want to do that. Oh, there's that box, not the gift wrap one, but the other one. I don't want to. I'm the one who can say, I don't want to to him and get away with it for a little bit. Uh, but, you know, don't be possessive about something. Maybe God's moving you on to something that really you're going to be better suited for. Maybe he needs to move somebody else into the position that you've been, you've been at. Don't be possessive about something, okay? Um, mm -hmm. Be respectful of people that you work for. Don't, don't find yourself in need of being babied when you're serving somewhere. Shouldn't be such, I had somebody get mad at me one time because I spoke brusquely to them. And I'm going, you know what? When it's time to start service and something needs to get done, I'm not here to say, would you mind going and doing this for me, please, pretty please, with sugar on it? Just, hey, I need to get this done. Don't be upset because somebody just, just says, I need this done. Just go do it and say, thank you, Jesus, I'm able to do it. And go on about that. Be gracious to people who are serving. Now, this is something that we, we see most often, you know, with, uh, oh, no, I probably shouldn't go there. But no, I think I will. <laughs> when people are serving in food or drink lines at fellowships, be gracious to them. Don't come up and go, well, why do I have to do this? Well, why can't, can't I have this? Why can't you do that? Because this is what I was told to do. This is how I was told to do this job. That's why. Don't be, don't be mean. Be thankful and respectful to people who are serving, no matter where it is. If you have children in any department, when you go to pick them up, say thank you to the people who work in there. Tell them how much you appreciate what they do. They are sowing into your children. And they're sowing. If they're working here and their attitude's straight like that ought to be, they're sowing good things into them. They're sowing things that will reap an abundant harvest in their life. Be grateful. Be gracious. Be appreciative. Hallelujah. Treat them like you would want to be treated. Amen. Um, serve the Lord with gladness. Be joyful when you're serving. Not grumpy. 
But be glad, be joyful, because it says over in Colossians 3.23, what you do, do it heartily as to the Lord. The Message Bible, that says, keep in mind always that the ultimate master you're serving is Christ. That's who you're really serving. Hallelujah. We have rights, we have responsibilities in the things of God, but part of, part of our responsibility is serving in the local church. Just like with a natural family, everybody has chores to do in the natural family. I didn't pay my kids to do ordinary things. Now, if there was something extra going on, maybe I'd give them some extra to, you know, to do something. But they had ordinary things every day to do. It was part of just family life. And when we serve here in any department, in any capacity, no matter what it is, we're just doing the part that's family life. That's what it's all about. Um, I, I read this particular thing here back to the ministry students out in California but I, I took it and, I, and I've kind of modified it for um, for this particular message and it was, it's called a job versus a ministry but I'm going to call it a job versus serving and it says here that someone, someone has said there's a huge difference between having a job at church and serving at church if you're doing it because you felt pressured into it, it's a job if you're doing it as unto the Lord, you're serving if you're doing it well enough to get by, it's job. If you're doing it to the very best of your ability, it's serving. If you'll do it only so long as it doesn't interfere with other activities, it's a job. If you're committed to staying with it, even when it means letting go of other things, it's serving. It's hard to get excited about a job. It's almost impossible not to get excited about real serving. An average church is filled with people doing jobs. A great church is, people, is filled with people devoted to serving. So what are you doing? Are you doing a job or are you serving? You know, we, we've got so much that we have to do just... And there's more things that God has for us to do. There's more places to reach out and to do things. People sometimes will ask us, you know, why don't you have this kind of ministry, this kind of ministry, this kind of ministry? Listen, our job is to equip you to go out and do all kinds of things. There are times I have seen where people felt, um, as long as the church organized it and the church had to schedule everybody in, get everybody hooked up and to go, let's, let's go out and do this kind of outreach. Then everybody felt good about, okay, I've done my part now. I've gone out and I've handed out water bottles on the corner and I've done my part. No, we want you to go out every day of your life and find a way to reach people. That is more effective than all of the organized outreaches a local church can do because you're really genuinely out of your heart touching people and changing people. And, and putting into people. That's what, you're to, that's what you're here to learn to do. And then go out and do it. We shouldn't have to have an organized outreach to the jail and to the homeless and to this and to that. If a church is called to that, hear me. If a church is called to that, wonderful. But if they're not, what you just need to do is you just be aware of it. And when the leading of the Lord is what you follow in what you do out. That's how you do outreach. Somebody came here one time and been here just two or three weeks and wanted to know what kind of outreaches I have. I said, you see those people? That's how many outreaches we have. Each one of them is an outreach.
you, each and every one, individually, you are an outreach into the communities, into the world that you go into every single day. But we start by having, serving one another here. That's where it all starts. It's where we learn. It's where we grow. It's where we become equipped to do what God has called us to do. Um, hallelujah. And I think with that, I've meddled enough. No, maybe not. Don't look down on any particular aspect of church life. I don't want to be a greeter. I don't want to be an usher. I'd have, to, I'd have to sit in the back sometimes. Well, big deal. You'll have to sit in the back. And when, before I forget, let me do this, say this one thing. If somebody's out of service serving somewhere, and we have a, like a major wonderful service in here, don't go up to them and say, you really missed it. <laughs> do not do that. You go up to them and you say, I thank you so much for your willingness to serve today while we had a wonderful service in church. And I know God is going to bless you. Kathy Trowbridge blessed me not long ago. She doesn't know it, but she blessed me so much. We were just, I don't know, you, we were, I was standing with her and somebody else. We were talking, and somebody had said something about a, a really great service we'd had maybe that particular morning. She said, well, I had a great service too because I was serving in the primary department. And I, they were, those kids were wonderful. And I was blessed to be in there. And I'm going, hallelujah. That's exactly right. That's the attitude to have. I don't care what good things go on in here. There are good things going on every place on this, on this property. So don't diminish what somebody is doing because they weren't in here. I'm telling you what, I've heard some tales of what's going on next door in Faith Island some Sundays. And I'm going, I'm a little jealous that I wasn't over there to see that. Listen, take opportunities to go at least try out some things in some areas. You never know but what God will get a hold of your heart for a particular place and will say, man, I just love this. I would love to do this. Yes. Give him an opportunity. Amen. So anyway, I wanted to, I wanted to get that last shot in. Sorry. But you know what? It behooves us to... Uh, Start out slow, start out in smaller areas, things, and then work our way up. And uh, Amy's, Amy's dad um, retired from a lucrative career in the coal industry. He came out of Virginia Tech with a degree, but when he went back into the coal industry, he went in as a miner because he wanted to learn the job from the ground up. And because he knew every aspect of how the operation worked, when he got to be an executive in the company, he had the best understanding of what it took to have a successful coal mining industry. And so he was a real asset because of that and a real blessing. Listen, it's an asset for you to learn how to weed. It's an asset for you to learn how to wipe up the counters in the bathroom. It's an asset for you to go serve in the cafe or in the bookstore or be a, a greeter or be an usher or just to be part of the choir. It's everything you do, everything you learn, everything you prove yourself faithful in, everything you get experience in is an asset. It's an asset. I've done everything from the ground up, everything. 
and, and I'd go back to doing anything. You know, and that's the heart you have to have. No matter where God puts me, I'm always willing to go back to what looks like the lowliest thing. Because remember what I said a couple weeks ago about Jesus. Jesus, the Son of God, who became man, said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. And his, one of his last actions before he went to the cross was to get down on his knees and wash the feet of every one of his disciples. He proved that he was a, he was a man who was willing to serve at what looked like the lowliest thing that there was. There is nothing lowly. Let God promote you in those things. And just for somebody who's, who maybe thinks about ministry, I'll just leave you with this because I told this to the Bible school students. Someone's future success in ministry can be gauged by their respect for the local church and their willingness to be a successful part of it. You know, if anybody is called into the ministry, they're going to have a heart to serve no matter what it is. No matter what it is, where it is, or when it is. They'll do whatever it takes to change their schedule, to do whatever, to, to, to make sure that job gets done. That's what I look for in somebody. Not somebody who says, well, I, I, you know, I can't make it. I've got something else planned. No, 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 no. If you've got a heart to serve, God will keep, keep you busy. He will keep you busy. But if you don't have a heart to serve, nah, he'll pass you up for somebody else. But there's blessings available for you. There's a part you, you need to play. There's a partnership that you and I have with the Lord Jesus to fulfill the work that God the Father sent him here to do. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.